Hello and welcome to This is Ibrix, the Rangers podcast Shut up and sit down Hello and welcome to episode 8 of This is Ibrooks, the Rangers podcast. My name is Martin Douglas and joining me tonight we have Thomas McIntyre and Wally Boyd. Evening gentlemen. Evening guys. How are we doing? <laughs> Great start to the podcast as always. <laughs> well there was, a nice, there was a nice kind of sexy pause there whilst everybody uh, decided who was going to jump in. Do you know what, I'm going to say it twice. Evening gents, there you go, I've doubled up. Wally, your turn. No, not doing that. <laughs> that's a yellow card offence, surely, Martin. Is the host you need to step in here and sort this out? I'm sure Martin had already said whoever he mentions first, go in that order. No, no, I'm going to do a Willie column and I've never seen it. Well. Uh, <laughs> so how, how are we, gents? How are we coping with isolation in a week 75? Well, I'll, I'll jump in before William... Beats me to the punch there. I know he was desperate to. Um, I, again, I can only say, and it sounds maybe sounds boring, uh, and, you know, spoiler alert for any listeners, uh, it won't be the first time that boring and my voice come together. But I would uh, it doesn't change for me. My, my job is mostly home-based, so uh, it's, it's actually quite good. I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah. I'm ordering more books and stuff like that, and watch movies, and occasionally, I don't know, find time to do a podcast. Yeah, pretty good. I'm the same. My, my my job hasn't really changed either. I'm out and about in the streets and that, so all's well here. Yeah, so you you walking the streets? Uh, is that um, there's a, there's what, a is you what is it you doing? What is it you doing? I'm a glorified paper boy. <laughs> you, you own your own media distribution company? No. <laughs> That's what I used to call call uh, call it when I had a paper round. No, <laughs> but it's 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 similar, I suppose. It's similar. Well, I'm a glorified steering wheel attendant, so that's, <laughs> that's about as far as I go. Right, gents, when we first started this podcast, right, I thought we started it halfway through the season. We'll have plenty of football to talk about, plenty of transfer rumours, and all we've really got to talk about now is how our season's finished and how the SPFL are trying their best to make an answer to what should have been a simple situation, really. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think you've you've seen recently with uh, I think it was France and Holland now have uh, both practically not avoided their the leagues, and I think um, we're all hell bent and try to get the season kind of nailed the way it is for for whatever reasons. I was going to try and go back to the start, uh, Thomas, and strip it right back, but I'll be honest with you. I work six days a week. Um, I'm out the house six days a week, and my head is absolutely twatted with everything that's going on. But we'll take it as far back as the SPFL decided to have their own internal investigation, if they like. They used a company, I think it's pronounced Deloitte. But staying away from Deloitte for two seconds, Stephen Gerrard said to himself, if you mark your own homework, you'll finish top of the class. And I don't think there was any surprise in the outcome of the SPFL investigation. Well, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, and let's not go all the way back to the start because, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think every, everybody's uh, has, has got yeah, PTSD from 
from the SPFL's handling of what should have been a, a rather simple voting process. There is, there's obviously doubts whenever you're called upon to have an external examination of the steps that you take or the governance processes in, in any business. And then you shut all that and you want to just have an internal investigation, no matter who you're pointing, and I, I don't cast any aspersions about Deloitte because, you know, part of the, you know, Big Four, they are extremely capable of dealing with my professional life, you know, don't, don't question their methods in, in any way, shape or form. But they're beholden to the client as well that they're working for to help them and uh, give them access to everything. And there's also the reputational outside view of if somebody's challenged your integrity as they as people have with the SPFL, then you should be quite confident in opening the doors and having an, uh, an independent investigation. That's probably the key point at this, uh, this juncture that the SPFL seem to be wholly committed to the view that we won't have an independent external investigation. We will have an internal one. We've had it, right? And it's up to any other club to produce evidence to the contrary. And then we'll look at that as well. That, that sounds rather illogical to me. Uh, if you've got evidence of wrongdoing, you generally give it to a whistleblower or an independent arbitrary body who would then independently assess it. You don't give it to the people. No, and I'm, I'm scratching my head because I didn't even know that the SPFL were having an, in the, their own independent investigation until it was released what, what was in it. And I'm, I'm scratching my brains while it, and I'm thinking to myself, are the SPFL that far out of touch or do they think that they're that untouchable that they could have this investigation and then everybody would just go, all right, okay, fine, everything's good and move on? I think they kind of hoped everybody was just going to kind of accept uh, the outcomes of the findings, but I don't think that was really Rangers' main kind of issue with the whole kind of fiasco that's happened. I'm kind of similar to yourself, Martin. I'm kind of totally lost with all this. To be totally honest with you. No, I know it's it's been one fuck up after another. But so so after that that investigation, then Tommy Rangers then released a statement, and I, I want to get this right. Rangers alongside other clubs submitted a members' requisition to the SPFL requesting a a general meeting of all forty two clubs to consider an independent investigation into basically the whole farce of the SPFL decision to end the leagues, basically. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Broadly, that's my, my reading of it as well. Um, and obviously, I'm not in, inside the camp or anything like that. So I'm, I'm sure there's nuances to that. But I think it's actually an EGM, an extraordinary general meeting, because you're calling it about an issue that's not generally in the calendar. So I think it's I think it's an, EG, an EGM, not just an EGM, um, so to speak. But that's technicalities around about this. Essentially, yes, yeah, to look at the handling of the uh, SPFL vote. I think the, the backers of the resolution are Rangers, uh, Hearts, and Stranra, off the top of my head. Um, interesting one, the Hearts in there, considering uh, Anne Budgie's pre vote statements versus mid vote statements versus post vote statements and position uh, within the restructure joint groups. But let's leave that to one side. So, yeah, looking at the examination of that, um, previous internal investigation notwithstanding, uh, it's to see does, does the, the 
do the clubs, do the member clubs want to examine what is supposed to be supposed to be a members organisation did in the run up and delivery of that that vote? I would say as well, if I was a, I don't know, if I was staring at Tommy's crystal ball here, uh, Mystic Meg style, I would say there's always a difference um, in terms of how you approach any problem like this. So again, I'm you know, not connected with the club or the SPFL like that, so I'm not, I'm not ITK if that's still the phrase, right? But uh, I would say even in business, you approach things in two levels generally. The lower level in terms of what you're doing on the ground, um, a day-to-day -day basis, which is the tactical basis, and then the, what you're doing in the clouds, which is the strategic basis, which is where you exactly want to get to at the end. And you can take short-term hits on the tactical stuff as long as you reach the end goal, because that's that's where you want to go. And so if your aim is to expose some of the shortcomings in the SPFL um, and some of the potentially um, potential issues within their government structure, then you can do worse than to pick a, a scenario like this, whereby I think the vote was always probably going to go the way it went, by, by and large. But that's not what would be the interesting thing. The interesting thing is that you use that as a vehicle to then highlight some of the structural flaws within the SPFL and some of the um, processes by which they do their business. So I think it's been quite a strategic move uh, in terms of being able to hopefully expose some of that and just unearth exactly where it went on, which at the end of the day, no matter which club you support, um, should really be high on your list. You just want to make sure that your governing body is doing the right thing and doing it in the right manner. That's, that shouldn't be a partisan thing um, based on club. That should just be something that is for the good of the game and means that we can all breathe easy. I don't want an SPFL that's just Rangers compliant, for example. I want an SPFL that is doing the right thing for the league structures and right thing for all clubs because that's the only way the game gets better in this country. I think that depends on where your club sits in whatever division it's in. <laughs> but not casting aspersions. But we'll come back to that. But also in that same statement, Willie, um, Rangers made it clear that they've got a dossier of evidence um, which they will provide to an independent investigation. Is it just a case then that the fans need, and I know it's difficult because we want, we want this sorted and we've got a funny feeling what way this is all going to pan out, but is it just a case that the fans need to kind of sit tight, bear with the club and trust the club that this evidence does exist and it will be like a fire under the SPFL? I think we kind of need to trust the, the board as well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we need to trust them. It's going to be a long process by all accounts, but um, yeah, I think it's going to maybe rattle a few cages in the SPFL, but a bit of sounds of things as well, but just need to wait and see, I suppose. And we'll come on to it a wee bit later on, but you know, we've had further open letters from the SPFL, Tommy, we've had Neil Doncaster on the TV today, and the, the biggest thing they seem to mention is, well, where is this evidence? I want Rangers to bring out this evidence. Um, and we we had this discussion uh, with Jordan Campbell on the podcast as well. And I'll just re reiterate to you what I said uh, to Willie there. Is it just a case of, as a support? And I don't just mean Rangers in this. I mean, like you've just mentioned, all the clubs in the SPFL, especially Hearts and Strunaras, they're moving with Rangers in this EGM. Is it just a case of, of sitting tight and, and believing that Rangers have what they say they have? Yeah, I mean, I'm like any other fan, right? You would, you would love the club, the club to move really quickly and to have already published a full dossier and 
you know, savaged people. But if you take off your, you know, your club head for a, for a second, um, that's not how businesses work, and it's not how these types of processes work. So again, I'm, you know, that's my kind of some of that's my day to day job, right? These things don't happen overnight. You need to look at all the angles. You need to verify everything. You need to walk it through. So the flip side of that, of pressing the button really early, right? Let's say it was Rangers, get the dossier, press it really early and, and get it out there. It could have been pulled down because it wasn't absolutely accurate. Rangers would then be at the focal point for making a, a hullabaloo about something that wasn't you know, right. So Rangers would have an egg in their face and I never want that because you know, it's my club. And then, and I think this is really important as well, and speaks to the narrative that we'll come back to later. If you publish really early, you diminish the impact and you then give the people who are maybe in the frame for that time to position arguments and, and, and whatnot, right, and mitigations. I think Rangers are being absolutely right on this and that they've no doubt went through checks and balances and quality assurance and all that internally to make sure that the documents or the evidence, or whatever it is, they're sitting on is fit for purpose, so to speak, and they can stand behind it. And then making sure that they release it in their own time frame, particularly with the uh, resolution coming first, let members then see it and then vote on an independent investigation because that's what has to be had. I don't think it's for the SBFL or anybody else to say, to set Rangers' timeline and narrative for that. Um, Rangers will release this in, its, in their own good time, quite rightly, because that's the right and proper thing to do to ensure that the members get sight of it and then the process can be followed. So actually you could you could take a, a technical argument here, right, and say by demanding that they see the evidence up front first, the SPFL are playing pretty fast and loose with governance processes as well. You don't naturally take evidence against somebody to them uh, when it comes to this kind of corporation, corporate body thing. You need to go through the right checks and balances and that sometimes also means to, to kind of look this back, that things take a bit longer than we would all naturally want, right? Everybody loves a quick win. They love to think they've got, you know, a victory on the battlefield and all that, and they love it immediately, right? It's kind of culture we live in as well, instant gratification, right? Things take time if you want to do them right and you want to win. And I think Rangers are absolutely right to put the brakes on, take their time, get all their ducks in a row and do what they need to. And I think every fan... Uh, should, should probably get on board with that as well. Yeah, it's, it's not a murder trial. You don't have to show your evidence to the defence lawyer before you launch your attack. Um, but I, I'll bring this back to you again, Tommy. Um, sorry, did, did what I say there confused you there? i just seen a look in your face, Tommy, a total confusion. To, to be fair, that's me on a daily basis. It, it could be anything. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm generally confused. Uh, I think I had that look this morning when I was trying to tie my laces. So uh, I don't be put off with that. Um, it's it's, a, it's a, a usual look. No, I was just a wee bit confused there because my missus took one look at you and called you the professor. So I just assumed that you were. Well, I, I wouldn't lie. I've been called. I've been called a hell of a lot worse. Uh, and so I've actually got to thank you, missus. That's, that's one of the better things that I've been called by, by a woman. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take it. She's never been that nice to me. Um, right, <laughs> so I'll, I'll bring it back to you then, Tommy. Has this whole, and, and I, I think I took this for what you said earlier on, has this whole farce then actually played into Rangers' hands? Because what I'm taking for this whole mess is that I don't think Celtic winning the league, which is what a lot of Celtic fans and other fans of other clubs will point to is why Rangers are making this big fuss. I don't think 
this has got really much to do with us being upset at Celtic being awarded the league. It might it will be for the fans, but I mean for the club. So has this kind of farce actually opened the door to Rangers being able to try and get reorganisation at the top of the SPFL? I think you're right. Yeah, I agree with that. That, that kind of that wording and that that premise there. I think right. I actually a really good example of a kind of classy club saying the league's been finished or whatever. Uh, we finished top. They're not champions, type of thing, right? And Celtic fans can argue all this type of stuff, right? I've said before on previous podcasts, Celtic are given the title, and that's how this all shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be amazingly happy about it, right? Because I'm a Rangers fan, but ultimately, no, there's nothing that can happen now that doesn't mean that Celtic's run of titles is always going to be asterisk, right? So it's always going to be an italics type of thing, right? So that's 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 a given, right? So that's a that's a busted flush. That goes right over the shoulder and in the background, right? If I was Rangers, and I'm aiming for the bigger thing, which is, and I, I'm not putting words in Rangers' mouth here, right? But if it was me and I'm looking at the governing body and I'm seeing there are problems there, right? There's maybe some rotten apples or whatever, right? And there's some structural issues we're not happy about. And then I find a great scenario and a great vehicle for that to try and enact regime change or get rid of some bad actors. And that's the bigger price. That that is the bigger price because if your governing body is weighted to one club or is not working well and is damaging every club or is keeping things from you or is not doing its best for its members, then that's the one that needs to be attacked and that's the that's the war that needs to be won. And you can take short term hits. Now that's not to say before anybody challenged me that not being given the you know not winning the title in it might as a short term hit or something I'm happy with. I'm clearly not, right? But there's a wider there's a wider um exchange of fire here. And that's all about how the governing body approaches its job for Scottish clubs and I think probably in particular how it approaches its relationship with Rangers. And that has to change. Um, whether that's through structural change or personnel change. Um, and so, I, again, I go back and say that's the wider, more important exchange of fire. Yeah, when it, when it comes, see, when it comes to votes, me personally, I'm a democratic socialist, right? So I believe, and we're supposed to live in a democracy, and the SPFL is supposed to be a democracy. So if every club had voted and the vote meant that what happened happened and there was no funny business around it, then I would be extremely pissed off. But you would have to just hold your hands up and say, the world's in the shit right now. This is what's happened and we move on. Um, but, but listen, we'll come back to this because I want to break up the conversation a little bit because Willie's looking shit scared. So I want to move on to something a bit more friendly for Willie. Um, i seen, and I can't remember when i seen it because, I mean, I think as you guys know, um, my research is tremendous, but it's it's been it's often been been lauded on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I think I mean something else, but let's stick with lauded. I know. Just ask Jordan Young. I think I offended him by saying his first big break was in Scott Squad, and apparently he was in a, a TV series <laughs> before it. So just ask him. Um, to be honest but... with you, Martin, I'm, I'm over the moon when you uh, when you remember your name most weeks. So uh, that's that's all I expect from you. Listen, I'll wake up every morning and go, where the fuck am I? But anyway, um, <laughs> i seen something somewhere about league reconstruction. Um, and 
I think one of the very early pods before all the it's a very sweary pod tonight. Before the shit hit the fan, I spoke to you about this being the perfect opportunity for league reconstruction. Now I seen somewhere there was talk of a 14-14-14 league, uh 12, 10, 10 or whatever it was. Um, and I'm just wondering if you guys have seen that and Wally, I'll come to you first. On league reconstruction, what do you think would be the best way forward? Well, I think uh, kind of the early signs are that they're all favouring this 14 team league across the kind of board. Um, I don't know too much about it, obviously, but it's just reading bits and pieces here and there. Uh, I think it's probably something going by something I seen yesterday. Was it the reconstruction, uh, league reconstruction group? I think uh, Rangers have the club doctor, and I think it's Biscoff. Is that the commercial director? working mm-hmm. on kind of behind the scene things. I think that got released yesterday and amongst all these kind of statements. So I think it kind of got overlooked quite a bit. But uh, it looks like maybe the Angels are kind of favouring something like that as well. Maybe to change it up a wee bit because it's kind of getting a bit too repetitive, I feel. Well, the, the only thing about league, league reconstruction for me is, and this is a very selfish point, um, is that it, it definitely means that Dundee United are getting promoted. But hey, we need to move past that. Um <laughs> but Tommy, I, I believe in the 14-14-14 um, template would mean it was only temporary for two years, I believe. And what it would mean is everybody would play each other twice and then the split would mean, I think it was, eight bottom eight in a top six. Now, me and you have spoke about splits before. So, see, for me personally, I look at the German model. And I don't understand why we can't have an 18-team league. Well, I do, because we need our four old firm games. But where do you stand on a split if it was a bottom eight, top six, or would it be a split 7-7? Seven, seven? Putting aside the easy joke that you look at German models, <laughs> I would... Um, oh, Heidi, oh, Heidi. Well, um, I, would, I would, you know... I'll give you, try to give you a quick answer, actually, right, which is... No, I, please, I don't don't, please don't. We need to draw this out. Oh, no, but I don't care in that I'm not overly considerate of the numbers of teams that I know, right? As long as it's not the main criteria, which is we don't have a jerry-rigged pinpot, as that phrase again, which is pretty disappointing, but split, right? Which is just nonsensical. You need to have a league that plays every season without having to do something to itself, right? That's, I don't understand the right it's nonsense. Um, I've obviously come on the podcast a pretty belligerent mood this evening, right? Um, aye, it's nonsense that any any kind of um, league has to split, right? So anything that answers that point generally gets at least my, my interest, right? However, you touched on it as well, Mark, quite, quite rightly, in that Scotland is then slightly hamstrung because nobody's going to sign up to a TV deal unless they're guaranteed four firm games, right? And so it's how best to make that play out. And you can't do that unless you can try and rig some sort of system whereby there's a split and you decrease the amount of teams that can play each other towards the back end so you can guarantee another couple of games, right? So I, I won't pretend that I've got a natural answer to that because I don't, right? But those are the two main points. I've not yet seen a structure that says you know, 14 teams that didn't then split, right? So it fails my test straight away because it has to have this split type of thing, right? To guarantee the games. So... 
Aye, there we are, right? Uh, I'm not a messiah crying in the wilderness. I don't have an answer for that, right? But until the league sorts out a structure whereby we don't have to split and then look like the clowns of Europe, then I I don't care about the numbers behind it. Really honestly, do you guys think that potentially there could just be tools for them games if we do go to a sixteen or a, an eighteen? The reason I'm saying that is just they would probably become more valuable. The two games, do you know what I mean? No. Well, I was no, actually, it's not going to become, sorry, Thomas, it's not going to become more valuable. It's always going to devalue it. But mm. the point I was actually going to bring to you two guys is, and this, and this might be unpopular, I don't know, but I've never really been a fan of the four old firm games a season. I feel as if it kind of dilutes the fixture slightly. So I was actually going to come to the two of you there and go, although it completely devalues, I suppose, what advertisement and, and TV deals towards the league, how do you feel about two old forum games a season, or do you prefer the four? I'll start with you, Todd. Uh, oh, I probably like my four, to be honest with you. I won't lie, right? Um, it's never been the same since they took away the Nerdy game, uh, for me, to be honest with you. Uh, so, I, I would say I, I, like my, I like my fixtures. I think, again, Scotland's sampled by the fact that, in the majority sense, maybe the last couple of years, notwithstanding, you would also generally have Rangers Celtic in the at least the last four of the Cups as well, right? So every chance of maybe getting an extra couple of games there. Just to speak to William's point, I know it sounds counterintuitive that you take it from four to two, therefore they're, they're rarer, so they're more valuable. And there's a, maybe a, there, is, there is a lot of sense behind that. But ultimately, if you're a TV deal, then you've got four big tickets that you're really interested in, your four old firm games, which means you can sell your TV space and your advertising round about them. Uh, and so if you take away two of that, the TV company is not going to make as much money, which means the TV deal they give to the SPFL isn't going to be worth as much. So I know it sounds counterintuitive because you think rarer means more value, but actually it would have a, a different impact on the TV deal. Yeah. Well, your stance on uh, two or four old firm games a season, what do you actually prefer? Depends if we're winning or not, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> great answer, William. Great answer. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Right, so league, yeah. league reconstruction, I kind of care about it. William's sort of interested in it and Tommy doesn't give a fuck. Is that, is that basically where we stand? Uh, no, I, 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 I care. Right? <laughs> hold, hold on a minute. Why do you put words in my mouth, <laughs> I'm just saying there are structural issues that, you know, I wasn't going to get into this right, but now it started me, right? So we do this, every, I touched on this the other week as well on the podcast, right? We do this every couple of years, right? We self-flagellate in Scotland, right? And we get our Barry hands up to say we're not doing it right. And you have T-shirt cannons and, you know, glitter and all that, right, to get the, the SPFL rocking. Or we get a Henry McGreesh written branch, branch review or, uh, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg's going to resign from Facebook and tell us how to digitally re- re- revolutionise the SPFL, right? And we get hit over the head and people say, oh, the game's terrible and, Ah, you're just a backwater and you're out in the frozen financial fringes of football anyway, and it doesn't really matter. Maybe they'll ever like us, right? Who's pick a structure that works? Right? Sick and tired of this. People get back and forward on numbers. Just tell the guys, we need the money. Forward firm games are guaranteed. You need to build a structure right about that because, by and large, every other club in Scotland is a wee club and Rangers and Celtic don't know why it brings any money. There you go. That, that, that's essentially it. I'm not, I'm not changing my position on that. And every other fan who probably tunes into this will be hear something about their own club can take that and 
stick it on their own podcast. Listen, don't worry about it. They're probably the majority of fans that listen to this are Celtic supporters anyway. But All right, well, that's probably true. Well, they're the small gear compared to the big gear that we are. Yeah. Um, here's a question for you then. Is there potential in Scottish football? And I mean by that, I mean outside the Rangers and Celtic. And I don't mean in a financial way to gain advertisement. I mean in, in the game in general, because we always put our game down. You know, we've got Kilmarnock and Hamilton and the other team is Livingston, right, with our extremely shitty plastic pitches. But, but Wally, I'll take this to you. Is there potential out with Rangers and Celtic to make this a viable, decent league? Suppose maybe there's more opportunity for youth players coming through that are Scottish. Maybe it could improve them coming up against, you know, the, the likes of the better teams in the league, like your Aberdeen's, uh, Hibs, Rangers, Celtic. If you're maybe say a Dundee fan base is kind of half decent as well, isn't it? To be honest, the stadiums are hold a decent amount of people as well. I think a couple, maybe a couple of years ago now, actually, they had released. Um, well, he's just disappeared, out. Oh, so <laughs> the question was so hard that he, uh, he's just—he's crashed and he's rewritten. Uh, that's that's how tough that question was for him. He's given up. But listen, Tommy, I'll take this to you because I know we're, we're going right off topic here, and I've got no idea how we started on this, and it's not completely Rangers related. But I look at the attendances of your St Johnstons, your Livingstons, your Hamiltons, and it's pretty dire. Um, is there any potential in Scottish football outside of Rangers and Celtic to make it a viable, decent league, an attractive league to people in Scotland, never mind outside it? Yeah, so really, I think it's a really interesting question, right? Um, and I think there's lots of good parts Scottish football. There's lots of good players outside the old firm as well. Um, there's lots of good supports, you know, people in, you know, supporting the local clubs and all that. All audible, all brilliant, right? Big fan of that. I have, for as long as I can remember, been of the position that Scotland has too many clubs. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Too many clubs. Right? I don't want to see any club go to war, right? Or anything like that. But I think long term, if the leagues are going to be relatively successful, then there's going to have to be a tougher conversation about what's amateur, what's professional, and then an even tougher conversation after that to say you clubs, some clubs need to merge or one club needs to kind of be the dominant force in a particular area because I think the level of clubs and calling them professional and stuff like that and trying to have a league structure built around about that is for the money that's coming out of the game unsustainable. The only thing I would say, and that's why you get such poor attendances and well, one of the reasons why you get it right, not the only reason. One of the things that would be really interesting. Um, if I was kind of hypothesising on this, I suppose, would be what the landscape would look like if the coronavirus pandemic or another pandemic continued for a long time and the EPL bubble burst and the TV money bubble burst because of uh, leagues that were based on tendencies and viability as opposed to an inflated TV market that's kind of, you know, paid for by the consumer and is way overpriced for what um, the product is. That, that would be interesting. Yeah, we've been rejoined <laughs> by Wally Boyd after he, he fucking shot himself at that question. Yeah, he just, he's, he's resurrected. Sorry guys, my laptop decided to tell me it was running out of battery and then just instantly died on me. So. Ah, there's always an excuse. 
There's a lot in, but what I was trying to say was <laughs> I think uh, a couple of years ago uh, they had done some statistics and uh, or stats even and uh, they're really saying that the Scottish League's kind of one of the most watched per capita uh, in Europe. So I think that's kind of positive for the Scottish game as well, if we, if we look at it that way. I know the crowds aren't very big for the, some of the stadiums, but maybe if, if we spice it up a wee bit, maybe some people come back into the game. You, you know, actually, well, you're reminding me of something there you're talking. Guys, keep me right. I, I might be wrong. Oh, oh, the glasses are off. That's when I know I'm in trouble. I might be wrong about something. The glasses come off uh, so I can pretend that I can see my notes. I think one of the follies, one of the big follies of Scottish football writing, there's, there's tons of hubris picking about Scottish football writing and some nemesis, hopefully, uh, in, the, in the near future. But did we not have uh, maybe late 90s, early 2000s, Falkirk done over a couple of times by it, that there was this standing rule you had to have a 10,000 seater stadium to play in the SPL? That's how, that's, that's how Aberdeen survived, sure. Aye, and I think Falkirk held down a couple of times because the Brockville wasn't up to code. So it's things like that, right? A 10,000-seater stadium for every club demand, you know, demanded for every club that wants to come up to the SPFL, right? SPL as it was then, right? These type, of, these type of grandiose decisions, right? What clubs really outside of Aberdeen on a good day if Rangers are in town? Um... Hibs Hearts, Hearts. Hibs, you know, Tyne Castle's always, always, uh, always a good, a good venue to go. Right, it's a good stadium and a, you know, it's a good, it's, it's a good atmosphere at Tyne Castle. Right, I'm a fan of that. Parkhead, <laughs> and uh, I had to be careful what I called it there. Um, and then, and then Ibrox. Outside of that, I, I'm actually not trying to be funny. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Right, you go door to door here through the league and you say Aberdeen, yeah, okay, good day, get ten. Hearts Hibs, good day, get their ten. Rangers, say like get their tens and they bother, right? Go to Tony Macaroni. Go to Cream, I can at the top of my head remember the name of Hamilton Stadium, right? Go to McDermott Park, you go down to Ayrshire to you know the plastic local park down there. What's the league expecting, right? You've done that. That's a historical change, right? So now what you get is you've got TV cameras where clubs are empty seats as far as the eye can see, which hardly gives a great example of the league, right? Players looking about because they you can actually hear them shouting at each other on the telly, right? That's how quiet it is, right? And they or they have these sheets pulled up over seats to try and make it look like there's, there's branding. And I think am I wrong here? Might have been one club last season put up, or maybe a couple of seasons ago. Might have been, might have been hung. I might be wrong, right? And it was fake fans. It looked like a crowd. Right? It's that type of nonsense. It just makes us look stupid. It sometimes feels that Scotland's in a place and the governing body is in a place whereby we take decisions and we think, because we're part of UEFA, we should do everything that other clubs in UEFA kind of leagues do and play like the big boys. No, for a long time, I think what we've done is we've not looked at what the actual practicalities are in Scotland and then said, the right product for us and our fans and back their own clubs as opposed to trying to project ourselves any other places. So aye, that's a bit of a longer answer than I expected to give and maybe a, a wee bit more of a passionate, right, one, passionate right. one. But aye, there you go. Right, put, the gla- put, put, put the glasses back on now. I think what Tommy's saying there though, but 
I think seen Spain. I think their TV deal states that they need to sell the kind of stand first that the cameras facing. Uh, does, to, yeah. to make it look like there's actual fans. I've not been again with any, any kind of Spanish teams involved, so I don't know what the followings are like. But I think it's it could sound like it's similar to us. So why not? Can I introduce something like that for next season or or whenever the fans are really back? Obviously. No, listen. I was at the two each game with St Johnstone at McDermott Park. I think that was one of the last games we played actually. And the Rangers end. Rangers get three parts of the stadium full. And there was still hundreds of empty seats in the St. Johnston end. But listen, guys, we will move on for this because I've got no idea how I ended up on that tangent. Well, I, actually, Martin, if you, if you don't mind, just, just for a second, right, and last thing on that, right, because Rangers were impacted by this as well, right? A lot of it is actually, as well, we're talking about the games and the, the product on the park, right? But the world's moved on, right, in terms of you can go down to the EPL and you can see this when, when football was still being played, right, which feels so long ago, right? But it's a whole day out. But the American version, you know, it's like a, a baseball game or whatever, right? Rangers tried to get a fan zone. And what does what our kind of organisations do in terms of councils and stuff like that? Blocks it or puts blockers in the way, right? As opposed to saying, you know what, we can tweet things. Whatever. And it's, not, it's not all about boozing before the game, right? It's trying to put bands in and stuff for the kids and get people in. That's the only way, that's, that's the only way that Scottish football would survive. You make it a day out for people and you get them taking their families and stuff like that as well. And you get money in the door. And we, some of these wee clubs are innovative with that stuff. But when you get in the big league, all the party politics comes into play and nobody wants anybody to do anything. I mean, we could, we could go into alcohol and football and yeah. we could go into all that, but we'll be, we'll be here all night. That's definitely for another pod, though. So, so good, good. Yeah, my apologies for, um, for, for jumping in again there, Martin. No, that's all right. That's all right. I'm just fear you're going to jump through the computer screen and stick a nut on me. Um, uh, not, not my style. Not my style. <laughs> Um, right, so before we go back to the what is the SPL farce, SPFL, whatever the hell they're called these days, um, I want to go back to a, a, a very good interview that you, that you had, Tommy, with Ronald De Boer. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, you can go and check it out on our YouTube page, uh, youtube.com forward slash this is Ibrooks. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's how you plug, gentlemen. Tommy, if you just want to give us a wee insight into um, how De Boer was on and off air and what you can expect to hear in the interview for folk that haven't heard it. Yeah, uh, sure, and uh, kudos to, to that plug there, Martin, that was really clever. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, to be fair, he was the exact same off-air as he was on, which uh, is a total gentleman and easy, easy to speak to. He made the, made the interview really, really easy, made my job easy. Uh, we touched on his career, really, in terms of Ajax, that Champions League win, leaving Ajax and how difficult that was and some of the contractual stuff, going to Barcelona, not really kind of clicking. And then Rangers in terms of the cliche and advocate and working through winning trophies um, and some of the stuff in terms of injuries and stuff like that as well. We, we didn't even get a chance to touch on Holland. That's how good the conversation was. So I, I, I genuinely think it's a really good lesson. He was great. Yeah, I was I was really pleased to have done it. I feel very lucky. He was a really, really nice guy as well. So if you've not listened to it, I very, very much uh, point you in its direction. It's a good listen. Sounds like he's up for part two as well, wasn't it? Well, he, he did. He actually said that uh, at one point. Um, I, this might have been off camera, right? And uh, I, I said, you know, we've not had a chance to... It might have been on camera, off camera, I can't remember. Um, and I said, I wouldn't get a chance to speak about Holland. And he was saying, well, you know, next time, get, come back on. So 
uh, you know, hopefully get back on uh, in the, the kind of near to medium future and we'll, uh, we'll go through the following career. That that night in July in Marseille where he, where he missed the penalty in the World Cup semi-final against uh, Brazil and stuff like that and playing with the likes of Bergkamp and Davids and that transfer of a young Ajax team to hold. There'll be some conversation I'm looking forward to that. The first Champions League winner as well on the podcast, eh? Hi, well, hi, there you go. I was, and as a smaller side, not to give away the, the, the interview, but uh, two wee bits one that we did pick up, uh, talk about, and one that we didn't was that night where they, they won the Champions League for Ajax on the bench for Ajax that night, Peter Van Vossen, and <laughs> following season where they got back and they get beat off UV in the final. Who's playing for UV? Sergio Perini. And who was at Rangers when? The ball rocked up and signed. Sergio Perini. So we talked a wee bit about that, about Perini in the uh, podcast as well. And you also asked him who was the better the Boer, and we won't give away, won't give away the answer. But um, listen, not not to um, to leave Wally out because I actually want to have a, just a wee quick five minute discussion on on this is Ibrox and what we've managed to achieve and what what I think I think it's under three months we've, we've been going. But Wally, you had a a brilliant interview with. Majid Bagheera, and I believe he gave you a wink. <laughs> he did. I have saved that on uh, on my computer. I look at it. I look at it every night before bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but guys, listen. Let's just have. A, I know Scott isn't here this week, um, and I'm actually. I've actually got a written warning because that's quite a few times he's phoned in sick. If he's listening, if he's listening, give him give him hell, Mom. Oh, I've I've got his phone number, and I'll find out where he stays. But whatever. <laughs> have um, I lost the sick note, Dad? Aye, that's you. That's you. You've lost it. Um, but you, yeah, you've you're just technical. You're just technical. Definitely. No, you've still, you're still the only one to sleep in for a fucking nine o'clock start. So, <laughs> and to be fair, yes. well, you're, not, you're never getting rid of that tag. To be honest with you. No, I know, I know. I nearly done it again tonight as well. <laughs> just be thankful you didn't sleep through Bagheera. Right, just be thankful <laughs> for that. Um, see, but, see, see, speaking about Bagheera. He was sitting talking to me at midnight from Dubai, his time. Wow, I didn't realise that. Straight through to one in the morning. It was actually just after one in the morning, I think. But he was, he was absolutely brilliant. But listen, guys, let, 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 let's, let's have a wee chat about this as iBooks. We've been going for, I, I, think, I, I think it's just under three months. And I don't think people will realise because we have such good chemistry. And obviously, I, I hold the show together and stuff like that. But we'll not go into that. Um, but none of us actually, and, and I'll come to you first, Wally, none of us actually knew each other before Adam the Boss brought us all together. No, no, none of us do. We've never even met, never never spoke face to face other than these calls. And I don't know when the next time we'll be able to all meet and have a beer or some dinner or whatever. And, and Thomas, I think what we've actually managed to achieve in such a small time is testament to how we actually all get on quite well. And there's guys in the background, guys like Sam and Billy and Ross, who do a lot of work on the website and stuff. This is ibrooks.co.uk. I see, uh, see that's another plug. But um, I, I think what we've managed to achieve in such a, a short time is testament to how, how we've all came together and how we work really hard, considering that this is just a hobby. There's no money involved. And I, I think... It, the interviews we've managed to get, Ronald De Boer, Maggie Bagheera, David Robertson, we've managed to get Jordan Young, there's more in the pipeline coming. It's 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 been brilliant. Yeah, um, you know, good bunch of good bunch of lads. 
simple as that, right? I'm certainly enjoying it. Like you say, we, we do it for not fans just like us. You know, there's there's no two ways about it. So try to kind of get access to people and so other people can listen to interviews and stuff like that. That's what it's all about, right? It's, it's magic. And there's other, you know, really good content out there as well. Um, it's all fan-led and that's a growing part of the media landscape. I think it's brilliant. Uh, in terms of I listen to other people's stuff as well. So it's all focused towards that. In terms of us, again, I good right good bunch of guys. I'm pretty sure I, I'd maybe seen some of you before actually. Some of you look vaguely familiar for like e fit photos I've seen on Prime Mod and stuff like that. Um I apart apart from that, uh, I I I met our Willie's uh clubs that hopefully when the coronavirus is over relatively soon, I'm looking forward to the first this is Ibrooks uh, and on drinks night. That'll be uh, that'll be good, lads. I'm looking forward to sending these up. I come by disclaimer. I'm I'm a bit of a bomb scare, so we'll just we'll just end it. With no, that, but, huh? so, <laughs> listeners, listeners obviously can can't see the video, right? And let me tell you, there is nothing about <laughs> Willie's video, right, that makes that comment <laughs> surprising in any way, shape, or form. There we go. So we'll make sure that you get your taxi so you don't sleep through the dinner. Thank you. <laughs> see when you put the see when you put the emphasis on Willie's video, it makes it sound so much worse. But let's move on. <laughs> <coughs> Only for people like you, Martin. Only for people like you. <laughs> right. I'm gonna ignore that. So the SPFL, right, I'll come to you first, Thomas. The SPFL sent out an open letter to all forty two clubs after Rangers Hearts and Strunar called for the EGM. Um, and I want to go to the first part of the letter, and this kind of ties in with Neil Doncaster's comments today on the television. Was it just me? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but were they trying to, was the, was the SPFL, and I think it was Hamilton, I can't even remember who it was, but, but the, the board members, were they trying to make themselves out to be the victims in all this? It's an interesting, it's an interesting take, and I don't, I don't wholly disagree with it in terms of it's part of the part of the narrative to force Rangers to show their tip their hand with their evidence uh, prior to, to the EGM, right? Which allows, uh, which diminishes the impact of the evidence and allows a narrative to be set round about downgrading the, the evidence. And one thing I'd point out from both the Q and A uh, Mother McLennan document uh, interview and Neil Doncaster interviews. I mean, I've never seen Neil Doncaster on on TV. Uh, on the media as much as I've seen recently, which maybe, maybe we should maybe tell you something. Right? There's a there's a, a wee growing story inside of those documents and those interviews that you should probably just keep in the eye on, which is more and more you're hearing, oh, we're a skeleton staff and we're working really hard and really quick, right? So you know how logically that plays out. Oh, mistakes were made, but you know, it's the circumstance we were in, we were just a tiny wee team and we were trying really hard, right? Keep a wee eye on that that narrative getting getting bigger and bigger, right? That's a that's a wee seed plant over there from them, I think. And then you also see some of the the usual kind of carousel of ragging bone men getting, and by ragging bone men, I mean they get get what they're given and they, they make a coin out of it, getting wheeled out your Roger Mitchells, your Graham Spears, these types of rent and nonsense. Um, who have lost any credibility they may have had anyway. So yeah, the growing landscape of more and more coming out of the SPFL. And again, not just picking on Neil Doncaster, right? But when was the last time either you guys or any of the, the listeners who will be listening to this, right? When was the last time you saw so much communication traffic from the SPFL about anything? 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even just say that. I would also point out that they, they made a big song and dance about how they were on a skeleton staff. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the head of that organisation earns £400,000 a year. See, if I earn £400,000 a year, and I know that you earn more than that, Tommy, right? But see if I earn... <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> see, if I earned £400,000 a year and I made the kind of mistakes that it looks like the SPFL have made, I'd be out in Mars. Yeah, um, and I mean, I, I can't comment on people's salaries or anything like that because I, I you know, don't know the details, but... I, can, I just say, I, can I just say, I stress, looks like, I don't say they have made the mistakes, I stress, looks like they've made the mistakes. Nice, nice to see you there for the, for the in-house, this is Ibrox Lawyers, um, Martin, <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, you expect, a, you expect a level of taking the players out of, it, of the equation for saying, you just expect a professional job to be done by a professional organisation. Nothing wrong with that, that's, that's totally logical, right? And if they start to fail in their capabilities and responsibilities, then if you can show that, they have to be removed. That, that's, this is, take football out the equation, right? And you're talking about normal corporate governance, and I've waxed money for about that in other podcasts, right? That's all this is. Just take football the equation because people start to think differently because it's football. It's not. People need to be paid to do a job and then those people have to do their job correctly within the bounds of what is reasonable, right? People don't do that. Out you go. Thanks for playing, right? And just to go back to your earlier, my salary comment, all those numbers are involved, but the decimal point is not in the place where you think it is, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of that letter as well, and I don't have the letter in front of me and I just tried to find it there and I can't find it, but... Well, at the very end of the letter, they seem to kind of be pointing towards the fact of, and, and I'm paraphrasing, if the clubs are happy for us to spend their money. Now, to me, that's a legal threat, saying to the clubs, listen, just let's leave it, let's not carry on anymore, because it's going to cost you more money at a time when the clubs can't afford to lose any more money. Am I wrong, or am I, am, I, am I going too far? Am I looking too much into it, or was it just a blanket statement? No, I think they're kind of, it's, to me, the outside looking in, it's as if they're trying to divert all attention away from themselves on the other people. I don't know how to answer it and stay out of um, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's the very thing that they're being accused of is, there's what one part of what they're being accused of is bullying, and to me that letter goes round the edges, Tommy, of bullying, financial bullying, round the scuts round the edges of it, puts the plants the seed in the minds of clubs who may be on the edge of voting for an independent investigation, makes them makes them think twice about, and, and they'll think to themselves, well, really, I mean, is it going to affect us much? I'd probably take a slightly different different angle on that. Right, and there was two things that jumped out at me from the from the statement. The first is that I think it's the first or second line where the statement mentions that clubs have to show contrition. That's a really odd <laughs> phrase to have in what is supposed to be a statement that brings clubs together from a, a governing body of a members' organisation. Right, clubs have to show contrition. Really, really strange. Just really strange wording, right? And then you you go down to the part about lawyers, and I think they they use QCs fees to be honest. Right, and I think perhaps Mondo McLennan used that in his interview as well. Right, but the point being, do we really want to go through all this big rigmarole because it's going to cost some money? That's not how transparency and 
governance and corporate governance works. If you believe that there's an issue, you should want to clean house and make sure that it's exposed and you, you run your organisation effectively. You don't turn around and say, yeah, there's a lot of noise being made, but it's going to cost us a few shekels, so probably best just leaving it. Um, that's, that's just really strange, and it's counter to the good governance principles that the SPFL say that they, they adhere to. Uh, again, I'm all for transparency and governance and record keeping and all that type of stuff. So, yes, they've held an independent, uh, sorry, an internal investigation. Okay, that's all well and good. But that's not in any way, shape or form an independent external investigation. Um, and so, yeah, really, really strange wording in that. And the, the argument about QC's fees and um, do we really want to spend on this as opposed to moving on? which seems more divisive, actually, but there we go. Um, just doesn't hold water. It's just really odd is the best way I can put it. It's odd, strange, leaves a bad taste in the mouth, whatever phrase you want to throw at. Just a strange wee statement from a strange wee body in a strange wee country. Nice I've seen you. a... Sorry, guys. I've seen a kind of funny tweet the other day. It was from a, a kind of well-known journalist, I think, publisher, writer. It says, uh, looking at the SPFL letter, what leaps off the page when you see the signatures is a level of integrity. Not a single signature signatory has a vested interest. Well, apart from him, 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 and him. <laughs> well, see, this this is this is the point, guys, and this is what I, I kind of I kind of want to drive at. See, regardless of who's in the wrong and who's in the right, see the way that this has been handled. How does this make Scottish football look? Because I want to bring it back to something that the SPFL used that at this time of crisis, as my daughter keeps entering and leaving the room, at this time of crisis, when the, the, there is thousands, and this is what we can't forget, there's thousands of people that are dying through this. But at this time of crisis, how does Scottish football look? I know a lot of people say, I don't care about how we look, I don't care about this, I don't care about that. But see the wider public and, and the people outside of Scotland, how does the way that the SPFL have acted look, Tommy? It's a really, again, it's an interesting question, and the reason I take a beat there is you're absolutely right. Mention those people and their loved ones who've been sadly affected by uh, the coronavirus, and in day to day, you know, problems that people have with their health and stuff like that. Um, sometimes feels a wee bit. I like to be talking about, you know, things like this when, when there's a bigger, wider world out there. Uh, for some people, it's their this type of thing is their their life, so to speak, um, and some of the gambits that have been used and some of the you know points that have been raised in terms of people trying to railroad things through and what is a really tough time for people is will leave a bad taste in the mouth. This adds to the the SPL's hand SPFL's handling of the the vote and the fallout and the lead up uh, adds to the division that's already well entrenched in Scottish football. But ultimately I think in the wider the wider context of European football and stuff like that, I get a personal feeling that Scotland's already seen as a wee bit of a backward, uh, backward basket case, right? This that hasn't changed that view is added to, I mean, how hard is it to hold a vote? How hard is it to hold a vote? How hard is it not to publish the results of that vote until everybody's voted? It's very strange that emails go missing. It's not something that happens every day. And then the fallout of you know, who said, she said, and this type of thing, and reacting really quickly for an internal investigation, but not an external one, just adds to the view that Something just kind of, I think the base word, right? Something just idiot about the whole setup. Aye. You get the feeling that when we go to UEFA stuff, that 
you know, if can I, uh, you sit, you sit in that side of the dining hall, and all the big boys will sit on the other side, and uh, occasionally somebody throws their milk at us. You know, I mean, it's got that wee feeling about it that we're just a wee basket case in the corner. I can't hold a vote. It's not hard. You know, I'm actually quite frustrated just talking about it. Yeah, listen, we can't hold a cup draw. Never mind a vote. But um... well, that's that's true. Actually, get get Rod Stewart into aye, do his do his hand gestures, and that that will please everybody. You know what I mean? Jeez, oh, unbelievably, unbelievably crass and 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 silly. But listen, just before we go, there's well, yeah, see if nothing changes out of this. See if, if nothing comes out of investigations, no evidence, whatever, and Scottish football ends, and then we just go back to normal next season. Will Scottish football recover for us? Will this just be a case of oh well, shit happens and we move on, or will this will this create an even further divide in Scottish football? I think it does create a, a further divide into football with certain clubs kind of feeling hard done by. But when I look at the fact that the league doesn't have a sponsor, the Scottish Cup doesn't have a sponsor, that kind of should raise questions, never mind this whole coronavirus problem that we're, we're currently faced with. I think you need to kind of ask the guys behind the scenes what's going on, how can we not get sponsorship? Very, very uh, good points there, William. Actually, very good points. It's... it's the sad situation of where we are. Right, so we'll, we'll just finish on this because this has been quite a depressing podcast. Um, <laughs> the EGM that's been called, Thomas, by Rangers Hearts and Strunar, what do they need to get an independent investigation vote share-wise? What has to happen, do you know? My understanding and uh, this is off the top of my head, actually, so holy Totally sure. I think you have to get 75 to 85% of the members to vote for the resolution. Um, and that's across, sorry, that's every single week. So, you know, 75, 85% of the SPL and then championship, etc. So it's similar to set up to the actual vote of league reconstruction slash give us the money, you know what I mean, uh, vote. It was the same sort of scenario as my understanding. Rangers, Hearts, Gerard, um, and it's important to mention those three clubs because I, I did notice that in the mainstream media it's just been termed the Rangers resolution was well, not quite true. Um, so yeah, you go in there, you present your evidence, or clubs will get the evidence beforehand to uh, disseminate and, and review. You go in, you get the vote, and if that is the case, then an independent investigation will have to be set up. Uh, and that will mean an independent chair, independent members, uh, and then uh, you know whatever time frame that will be set up in and whatever time we report on as well. And then you're looking at if that happens and then they deliver the report, the actions on the report. I think to go back to William's point about there being divisions in Scottish football, yep, and they'll always exist to a certain extent. Some of the actors in this, some of the people, some of the personnel are the ones that will probably have to go if something is found to be wrong. It's less about structure, I think, at this point than some of the people in, in the positions of, uh, of power. And if they're found to wrongdoing, that's the start of the healing process, so to speak. Um, so that, that's what it looks like. Uh, I believe that you have to go through those those kind of measures and those processes. Well, if that is the case, Wally, and you need 75% from each league, what what chance is there of, of Rangers, Hearts and Strunar? And it's a, it, it is important, Tommy, because if you do listen to the media, this is all just Rangers. What's the chances of Rangers, and, Rangers Hearts and Strunar getting that vote? I think it's going to be 
quite tough, to be honest. Maybe we're going to need to use some tactics seen before. Um, <laughs> Hack into the email servers, eh? I think so, yeah. Plant a few kind of big, nice cherries to eat for the clubs. <laughs> I think it's 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 you know it's it's quite a nice that you know kind of we come full circle to the first question and uh, in, in the podcast this evening as well, which is unless there's just total partisan kind of view into this, right? You would like to think when Rangers deliver their dossier of evidence, right? Then that's going to have a fundamental impact on the voting because if you're sitting there, if you're a club chairman in Scotland, right? Unless say Rangers evidence is 100% cast iron, it shows it shows um, processes went forward and some things are you know, up for debate and all that kind of stuff and you'd question things and some things downright wrong, right? Whatever it looks like. If you're a club chairman and you're looking at that and you decide to look the other way, and you really look at yourself in the mirror and your fans and you say, I was happy just to be part of a sinking ship because I was a wee bit further up the deck as it went down. That sounds wrong to me. So hopefully we in due course, they cite the evidence at the right time, and then people vote with their consciences and with the weight of evidence behind them, and then the right steps are taken for Scottish football, because ultimately if we don't, it'll just become a bit of a listless beast with nobody really kind of at the helm, and we'll just look silly on silly. And I think on that very happy note, I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> that was about as happy as I, I was managing to stir up this evening to be honest with you guys. Tommy, Willie, as ever, thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you very much, guys. Um, and on that very sombre note, it's a thank you from me and we shall speak to you next week.